0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Steve Simpson, who is a New York media veteran and nationally recognized award-winning child advocate. Um, He is an abuse survivor himself, and Steve thinks there needs to be more accountability and consequences for child abusers. Uh, During today's interviews, we're going to talk about some stats and facts on child abuse and neglect. And Steve is also going to share his own personal uh, uh, stories about surviving abuse and how he's thriving today. Welcome to the episode, Steve Simpson.
1: Glad to be here, man.
0: Thank you, brother. Now, right now you're in New York, and and I really want to hop right into this. I'm I'm excited to have you on because one of the things that uh, uh, has me fascinated with your uh, bio and backstory is this idea of, one, that, you know, you two have experienced uh, child abuse and neglect. And then, two, you also talk about how to identify people who have experienced uh, abuse and neglect. So I want to start with that first part. Uh, You talk about child abuse and neglect. How do you separate those two? Like, how are you defining neglect from abuse for the listeners out there?
1: Okay, so if you go by protective services in the family court when they look at things, okay, so neglect could be maybe you're not necessarily abu- physically abusing your kids or sexually abusing your kids, but A, they're not eating. And, and believe it or not, yes. Uh, even in suburbs, there are, there are kids that go home hungry every night, okay? Uh, it could be that you're not taking care of things, the house, the heat's off. But the heat's not off because you're necessarily poor because you have a drinking problem, you keep falling asleep, not paying your bills. So, neglect could be in the loans of the kid's uh, health. The kids have obvious health problems, and you're not taking to get help because you're drunk that night. And so, so these are some of the neglect uh, on the other end. I'm gonna get back to neglect in a second, so I'm gonna add my own little to neglect, but, my, but I'll ask the question fully first. Abuse goes in a tie. Well, now you're physically abusing your children, and it's, it's nothing to do with discipline. They're not cousins, they, they're totally different species, okay? Uh, abuse is a child abuse. The child's being beaten for no reason at all whatsoever. Even though the, abuse, the abuser convinces them they did something wrong, it's simply because they're an abuser. And it can it can be physically. It can be punching, hitting, pushing, throwing things. I had all of that, by the way. Okay. And two extra little points here. Um, then there's verbal abuse, and verbal abuse. You know, it's sad. For a little while, it was kind of getting uh, looked at more. And I know some family court judges were actually going after people for it. And then it kind of phased out, unfortunately, unfortunately. Because uh, verbal abuse to me is just as deadly as physical abuse. And what, what are you talking about, Steve? And you'll hear my story in a little bit. But it wasn't the, the physical abuse that caused me to start to come, think, of suicide and attempt suicide. It was the verbal abuse that did it to me. It was the constant, constant, since I can remember, man, I mean, put downs and not just the four letter words. I'll, I'll, you can use your imagination for those. I don't want to hurt your ratings here, but I'm talking about the full sentences. Okay, like even if I accomplished something, no credit, but it was the opposite. So why, anyone could have done that. What about all the things you do wrong? It was constant. You know, you're not going to make it through, right? You know, you're beating through my head, beating it and this hopelessness. I mean, and it causes a hope, verbal use causes hopelessness. If you think about it, prisoners of war, get treated and talk to the same way that abusive parents talk to their kids. They build up hopelessness and, and control them. And from a, my first suicide attempt was 11 years old. And, and I'm gonna state something too. It was not for attention. Please not let the go there ever. Uh, it, w- it was not for revenge, okay? Uh, I never met anyone who was, who was looking to do it out of revenge, by the way. I know a lot of people commit suicide, tried suicide, of course, or thought of it. Uh, It was that I really wanted out. Um, uh, My line was then, uh, I don't want to die. I just don't want to live. And you can say, "Well, Steve, that's the same thing. No, it's not. I had no idea it was being like being dead. I was never dead before. But being alive to me was always drama, always hopelessness, always things going on in my life. I want to spiral back to neglect. I want to add my own little definition of neglect. If you're a parent, and your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whatever your significant other is, and they're abusing your child and you're letting it happen, that's neglect, okay? That's probably the worst form of neglect, probably the worst form of neglect you can possibly have because it's a betrayal to your children, you know? That's what you call a co parent. So I just wanna, and I'll go a little bit that as well, a little bit. As far as my child, if you don't want to kind of let you know where I was coming from, so, Let's start off in grade school. Okay, first, second, third grade. You heard of an A student, right? Okay, I was a Z student. Okay. I was the opposite of an A student. Okay, there was a test, I was gonna fail. When a teacher would say, Okay, guys, I'm giving you a break. No one's failing this test. They all point and look at me, and I just smile and go like this. Uh, always fighting, always interrupting the classroom. Sense of humor. I was never not joking in classroom. Okay, you would have thought I had the best life in the world at home. And always like there was an assembly, like I talked to schools. Uh, I would, at first five minutes, I was being walked out by the teacher, walked out by the principal, assistant principal, cracking joke. And by the way, the teachers would even laugh sometimes. And that would get me angry as so I go, but you laughed, you can't throw me out. You know, but I was always doing that. Uh, my lowest grade was a negative 20. And you could probably say, how'd you get a negative 20? Very simple. I thought back then, and of course, as we talk I'll Correct myself and and show what revelations I had. Back then, I thought if you were smart, you had the best home life in the world. I just associated smart kid, mommy and daddy loves them, mom and dad loves them, everything's great. Brady Bunch. Okay, I was wrong, which I found out, and I'll explain that. But back then, that was in my head, and I was not jealous of their grades. I was jealous of their life. So I would love. No, we're talking elementary school. So I would love to mess the kids up while they're taking the test. Okay, I push their arm while they're writing. So they scratch across the test. I, I write on their test. And this is one kid, I was trying to get his attention. I was calling him names, talking about him, his family, his ancestors, you name it. I was, this kid had nerves of steel. He was just concentrating on that test. So I got out of my chair. I took this test, I crumpled it, and I just threw it across the room. And the teacher said, get back in your own seat. Whatever you get him, take it off 20 points. So I figured I'd show her. I said, really? Okay. I'm not going to even try. Zero. And she said, oh, really? And she wrote, took the paper, wrote, negative 20. <laughs> okay, so she beat me out. Now, I would try to figure out how to cheat on my test probably twice as long as the average kid did studying. And my friends would say, I mean, want you to study. Take half the time. I go, what's the use? Why bother? Because I really believed if I study, I'd fail. Why? Because what we discussed before, this was the verbal abuse constantly i'm stupid i'm a failure no one wanted you. i didn't want you all these things so that always why try if i'm if i'm a failure why am i bother trying and uh, so that was where i was at with that in fact i tell you one thing i used to do i started cutting school like third grade on i got away with it i pretend i was walking to school and just never go there but here's where i would go i would go to the library believe it or not and i would go in there and i would take books and i would read them and i was even writing back then and i would my line to the whoever the clerk was at the desk or there's a librarian there i would say can i have a pen and paper and they give me paper or something give me the whole pad sometimes and pen and i would just sit there and write poems prose and short stories writing was my escape back then from my problems that's why i write a lot of fiction get away from my problems okay the only difference was all my characters were children of alcoholics or abuse victims so it could be a science fiction but the, the characters all have my problems, which later became a technique for me, actually. So here's here's the epitome of a low self-esteem. This kid is literally cutting school <laughs> in that grade. And I'm not hanging out with kids in the street. I'm in the library writing and reading. That's the epitome of a low self-esteem. Now, suicide attempts went on. Then I started running around a little bit. I was what you call couch surfing. That means you go to hang out at your friend's house a few days, back and forth. But one of the friend's parents, Did the right thing and picked up the phone and called protective services and uh, landed me in foster care. It was a pretty open, shut case on that one. Uh, My father's the type of guy, he could not control himself even in the courtroom. There was no, some abusers put this nice facade on, you know, uh, like in those movies, you know, Bad Stepdad. You see those movies on, and uh, that wasn't him. (laughs) He stuck cursing. He might have had a drink before he got there. So forced the home. Um, I was in two foster homes, one for a month, one for a year. to My mom completely cuddled ties with him and got her own place. God bless her, and she did that. Um, she overrode her codependency. But while I was in there, two big things happened. One is I saw the way a normal family fights because they fought. And I remember the first couple of times the parents got in fights, or one of the kids got in argument with the parents, and I'm bracing myself. I'm waiting for the slugging to start, the hidden the name-calling, the threaten, the ultimatums, none of that happened. None of that happened. The might have raised their voices. And that was the first thing I learned is how healthy families get in arguments with each other. You know. Now, I was mandated when you're in foster care, you have to go to therapy, self-help groups, pick one of them. I did both, but I really liked the self-help groups. And I remember the first night I was at one, and I remember looking and guess what? There's smart kids there. <laughs> and I remember saying... I literally said to one of them, I think she's doing a report on us kids' problems for school or something. And I said, what are you doing here? you doing a report or something? And she couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) And she said, no, Steve, you'll you'll see. Well, some of those smart kids tried suicide more times than I thought about it, okay? And then something happened. I, I started listening to the things that their alcoholic parents were calling them. It was the same exact thing that I was being called failure, stupid, and I said, wait a minute, something's wrong here, me, I'm the most hated student by all the teachers, there's no question about it, your teachers dream, your parents dream, you're not, you get an age, how you been called stupid, and, and that was the revelation for me, it has nothing to do with me, I could have been a smart student, I could have a totally different personality, I could have been a girl instead of a guy, made no difference, he would have still abused me, because an abuser doesn't abuse you for what you do or who you are, they abuse it because they're an abuser, and they just find a reason, and they do it. And that was an eye-opener for me. And the second eye-opener for me was I brought some of my stuff I wrote, short stories, poems to the meeting. and It was mostly girls, by the way. And they read it, and they were like, you're blowing me away. I can't write like this. Why don't you kill in school? Because, like, you're smarter than me. I'm not smarter than you. Yes, you are. I can't write like this. You're sitting here writing this. is amazing to me. My older sister can't write like this. And they actually taught me how to study. You know, I never did it. (laughs) So, and all of a sudden, I stopped failing. And I started passing. And I do better than passing. I made a little game out of it. How many more questions do I got to get right to get an 85? I would play this game. Ended up on the honor roll. Another year goes by. How many more questions to get 90s in this fight? And it would work. And eventually, National Junior Honor Society, I joined track just to keep myself busy, you know, MVP for the track team, uh, wrestling, winning record wrestling. And this was the best one. They make me student of the month. Now, not just for my class, for the entire grade. And they hang my picture up in the hall, model student, be like him. I used to walk by that picture and laugh because two years before that, it would have been a dartboard in the teacher's faculty room. Okay. I hate him. I have him next period. You know, same kid. Now all of a sudden, a model student. When I was making fun of those smart kids, I was one of them just didn't believe it and it really is unfortunately simple as that and i question how many other kids like myself and even adults at this point in their lives okay just i'm stupid i'm not that smart my brother's smart my sister i'm not yes you are you know because it's almost like being brainwashed okay by your abuser so uh and continue to do well obviously as you know now a successful writer four books in print and uh and I want to roll back. We said before now, and that was just that is, again, for, for, for part of our suicide, you know, I, again, I can't strike. People watch this have been there, grasp this. and People don't, can't understand it. Well, Steve, I don't get it. But you take your own life. I said, you don't get it. I said, because I had no hope. Okay. I really thought I was done. I said, I can't do this another 11 years, 12 years. It, it's not going to happen. Okay. And I really believe it wasn't getting better. If I knew it was going to get better, I really wasn't stupid. I would have hung on. You know, but the point is, and I got to get that trust, but it's going on the mind of someone who is thinking of suicide and, uh, and I, and I try to stress that to people that it, it's, it's, to me, it's a lack of hope. I mean, even, you know, it's funny, you watch late night TV and on one side, it's cool that it's around because it keeps you entertained, you know, but the other side is, you know, everyone's fronting on the TV, you know that, and you watch these shows and every guest is put their new book, their new movie, their new album. And they're all laughing and they're all happy and i used to think myself i must be the biggest loser i must be the only guy on this planet that has problems now as years went on some of those guests all of a sudden they're in rehabs <clears throat> they've tried suicide some of them unfortunately died from suicide <clears throat> um which ones had breakdowns some of them got into mental health and, and advocate for that i give the young adult celebrities credit because they tend to do that more and I suddenly realized, oh, I get it. <laughs> okay, I'm not the only one out there. And that's the same in school. You know, after a holiday, everyone's bragging what a great holiday they have. I didn't. I'd be trapped with that man, you know. Uh, but guess what? About 25% of, of your classroom was also having a louser. But everyone's bragging. Ah, great, I did this, I did that. And you think that you're the only one because everyone's always fronting in school. And uh, now that they said for many years, one out of five, one out of five kids, is a child of an alcoholic or a drug abuser. And now, recently, I know this the organizations and agencies are starting to say why well, I've four kids. It's actually getting bigger. And let's face it, um, maybe there's some instances, but if you're living with alcoholism, yeah, you're being abused one way or the other. The number one cause of child abuse is alcoholism. And you know, and you probably know what I'm saying next. One of my pet peeves is um, <clears throat> okay, so. Uh, I give credit to the um, onflow of awareness of mental health. And there are people who have mental illness, depression issues, and that in their case leads to suicide. Uh, and I think it's magnificent that we have that. And I give credit to all the celebrities, talk, they're brave enough to discuss their mental health issues. However, okay, there are many kids, in my case, it wasn't necessary, it wasn't mental illness, it was being abused. And that could fall under the ra- under the radar, unfortunately. And uh, you know, he's depressed, he has depressing issues. Okay, I'm depressed because I'm being abused, but that second half doesn't quite get out there. And I think that that's something we need to grasp on a little more because it's very frustrating for a lot of abuse victims that you know uh they attempt suicide, that the people try to help them, they start talking about the health of them, which is great. Except they're going, yeah, 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 but my father's going to beat me again in the next two weeks, or I'm going to you know, whatever, my mom's going to do it. And they don't get that. Or runaways. Oh, she's always running away and she has older friends. Her boyfriend is so much older than that. And that's all they focus on. And no one stops to say, why is that girl leaving her house and dating all these older guys and running away? If she had, who would do that if they had a nice, comfortable house? No one kind of reverses that and thinks about that. Most runaways are abuse victims. So I think for me, uh, I like I amongst advocating, of course, for hope. I also try to get out there, and it's important for abuse victims. I tell you, when I speak to a, an audience, school, you see the heads going like this, not up and down. Not when I start saying it's because of abuse. It's not always about the illness. You got to see how many or, or some. I literally they start crying or the eyes water up because the frustration's coming out and them saying, "Hey, I was not in that other category. I was just being abused, man." You know. Uh, And that's important. Another thing is, you know, uh, you have ADD, you know, attention deficit disorder. And many kids have that. And they can come from the most best homes in the world, most functional, healthy homes. And they've got it. And again, I think it's wonderful that's being addressed today. However, again, I would have been labeled that in a second. But do I really have that? No. But do you think it's possible to study in that classroom or to sit there and pay attention with that night before, or even that morning, sometimes the morning as I'm getting ready for school, I just got abused, okay? Or it's a Friday and guess what's in the mind of most abuse victims on Friday? Oh man, it's a three day weekend, Monday's Memorial Day, he's gonna be home from work. I can't tell. who can I hang out with? What? That's what's on your mind. And then the teacher gets a little angry, okay, because they're not paying attention, but now you're kind of all jacked up and emotional. So, bam, I go right back at the teacher. And this is a little insight to give people what really goes on. Is this kid really a punk? Is this kid really, oh, he needs discipline? No. But that's what's going on. So, so, again, I, I I was speaking to a special ed teacher, you know, privately. And that's, let me ask you a question. How many of your kids really are just an abuse victim? And it, that's what the deal is. I thought she'd tell me 10%, you know, 15%. She looked me in the eye and said half. Half don't even belong in this class, Steve. I can't send enough. I can't prove, you know, I'm t- I know for a fact when I meet the parents, if I meet them, somebody don't even show up. Okay, these kids are being abused. So I think that we need to do what you're doing now more and more. There can't be enough of it to maybe relook look at that and maybe have teachers say, maybe I'll send more kids to the school social worker, keep them busy a little more. You know maybe i'll start doing that a little more before the kid gets labeled bam add bam you're depressed you know medication this and that whoa you know and we discussed before a codependent i god bless my mom she's passed away now but i will say this she did override her codependency because when when i was being abused my mom did something that many codependents do that's devastating she'd actually say well steve steve um i should call me steven I told you not to say that to him. Try not to say that to him. Don't try not to do that. And what you're doing is you're actually telling your kid it's your fault. You got abused, you know, and which is of course wrong. So again, uh, with me, when she wrote that off from him and and she, when I say cut ties, she didn't even, I think she still should have gotten it, but she didn't even want child support. She went, just leave us alone. Okay. And that was the deal. And I give a lot of credit for that. So any parents that listen to this, and, you you know, when you're single and you choose to get in abusive relationships and your friends are all telling you, you should stop this and you can do better. Well, I guess that's kind of on you. When you have children now, you're taking them along for that ride, that, that codependent ride with you and they're being abused now. That's different. It's no longer on you. And we discussed, I love your question, and you become guilty of child neglect. You're basically accessory to child abuse. In many cases, as you probably know, it's not just the dad. It's She leaves the dad and it's the mom's boyfriend, and guess what? He's abusive. Or now the next boyfriend, he's abusive, because mom never got help for her own problem, never got counseling. She always dates these, you know, and the line is, I have the worst luck. I always find these guys. No, you don't just find them. I said, this is what you're attracted to, and they're attracted to you. Can you imagine the damage to a child? I just heard multiple adults call them the same names over and over again. And that's what leads leads to that. So <clears throat> I got to say, so again, um, I, I remember once we talk about humor, you know, um, and humor is very important to me. I run a group and we laugh without problem. You might think we're crazy walking by the room. I thought that group was <laughs> getting problem. They're laughing hysterical. But I think it's important to realize that A, you're not alone. Okay. And B, that you know what? We can laugh about these things. We can get through them and look back at the past. I mean, I remember sitting when I was going myself to go. I remember at one point, I lived in a pretty tough neighborhood that particular year, and I went downstairs and I opened my mouth and said what just happened. I always just it out because it was obvious I was in a bad way, and a couple of kids started laughing. And I'm thinking, this kid's serious? <laughs> Am I gonna punch this kid in the face? But then they said, no, you don't get it. That's my father. You just described my father. I know it's like, you described my father, are you sure? And we kind of laughed together because we kind of compared notes. It wasn't the group I was in yet. It wasn't, you know, but we were just laughing about like all the things. Oh, all right, does he say this to you? (laughs) We're kind of going through these things with each other. And it was healthy though, in a lot of ways. And I think that's why, because again, you gotta laugh at this stuff. I mean, there are times I would just sit there and the tears are rolling down my eyes and, and, and sharing at a meeting and laughing. At the situation, and I think that's important. A group that I run, sometimes a member will just say something to the member, and you might think they're being sarcastic. They're not, but the, but the other one eventually does laugh, <laughs> so, you know, and uh, you know, the, and you try to brighten it up somehow. Well, look at the bright side. I wonder not girl said it could have been worse. What could have been worse? It could have been me today. It <laughs> it was you, not me. And uh, but little things like that go a long way. And there are many times. That's why I love your angle as comedian slash masters in psychology. You know, and I said I love that combination. You know, because that's healing. Uh,
0: how old are you now, Steve? Fifty-eight. And at fifty-eight, you know, you come from a a, a a household that you know there were there was abuse, there was neglect. but Then you kind of rediscover yourself and and your intelligence and what you're capable of through sports. You talked about track and wrestling. So now you're getting physically stronger. You're you're finding a purpose and, and directing your energy in that direction. At what point did you struggle with touch? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> did you struggle with touch from others? I, I would imagine like a hug from a friend or a loved one. Was that a challenge for you? Because I, I would... I would imagine for a lot of people who were, you know, even physically abused or emotionally abused, that touch could feel either comforting or punishing. What was that like for you?
1: Great question. Um, when I joined, again, the self-help groups, my peers, it was really comfy. I was thrown off at first. This girl was telling me, oh, I hope to see you next week. You know, and I kind of went like, but that felt good. It took a while for an adult to do it. I was kind of low off with that, you know um but i did get used to it and then eventually became confident so my peers pretty fast to be like that's kind of cool and it is kind of cool like you said, you because i didn't get it you know let's face it and then um and then uh, with adults that took a little while i was a little suspicious I, you know you can't blame me or i can't blame a young person that you know back then uh and just to just i think the word is motive what's what, what's this Woman at, where's this man at? You know, say, but once I discovered the motive was simply good. It was just they just want to come for me, hug me. There's no other motive there whatsoever. Uh, then then it was cool. And I did get, you know, and uh and let's face it. Great huggers, oh, you know, now you, you love, you know. I used to buttons, hugs, and things like that. And at first I was a kid, I was like, yo, what's up with this guy? <laughs> you know, you know, but, uh, but I, I kind of got, as I said, and, I, and in some ways in society today, it's okay for a kid with adults to be a little cautious here. You, say, you know what I'm saying? What's this teacher hugging me? This youth group, let me, let me check this out first. Uh, but I think then you make the determination. And then you go back to motor. Where's this person coming from? Uh, for, for young people, though, it was great. Because I was just used to kind of crying on my own. Or, again, if it's the bus stop talk or hanging out in the ball, little Long Beach, the boardwalk, no one's hugging. To you. You're venting to each other. No one's hugging. In the self-help group, you need to get a big hug. I mean, one girl got up from the table. She came over me and hugged me as I was talking. I was so, she did that. She was going to have a seat to do this. What's up with this? And I realized, Oh. Oh, that's, that's really cool you know so for me that was like oh that was different because now you're not just complaining you're getting consoled you know which was which was really cool i love that question
0: yeah and, yeah because you talked about a woman coming over to hug you and, and how you, you know you were skeptical or like you know what's her motive uh were there once you got into relationships romantic relationships? Were there behaviors or things that you picked up from your parents that you were starting to notice showing up in your relationships where you're like, oh, I need to look at this, or that's not me, that's my mom, or that's not me, that's my dad, and I need to redirect that?
1: So two things. I made sure, made sure, like to me, my dad's like the Antichrist. (laughs) So I made sure I would never be like him. That's one thing I made sure of, how I talk to a girl, how I act. And I'm always turned off by someone that does it. Like even like it's funny. You go have a girl, you break up. What do a lot guys go? She's this. She's that. She, man, yesterday she was the most beautiful, nicest girl. Somehow she's all these things because she broke up with you. That I was. I was never down with that because that was stuff that came out of his mouth to my mom. Um, what I had to learned early on though is don't get into people because you know when you come from a child like a alcoholic. Low self-esteem, you're just so happy someone's going out with you. (laughs) So, but the point is, hmm, but then you start accepting unacceptable behavior and making excuses for it. That's something I had to get a cap on early on. You know, hey, Steve, she's pretty and she's nice and she's funny, but she really shouldn't be saying that to you. And you need to stop that, you know, or the guilt thing. A lot of times I found myself falling into this, which I put again, slam the brakes on, where you take um, responsibility for everything. It's always your fault. All right, it's my fault. I, 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 should, I should have said Get out of that. And, and that came from my father because it was, everything was my fault. I remember he'd be sometimes, he'd be so drunk he couldn't talk. He would stand there and point at me. I know what he was saying. Your fault. And I found out later, Remember, I mean, was drinking long before I was ever born. Okay. But that being said, so, I, so the relationship early for me, I had to stop with, it's not always your fault. Stop. Even with friends, that's a relationship. See, 10 of us around. It doesn't work out too big some oh i i could have booked that up sooner i should have maybe tried to help them out enough these two got in a fight because they got in a fight you know like you, 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 you're not god you can't control everything so that trying to rescue everybody you know say and, and, and be there that i had to learn like you're not in a relationship to be the person psychiatrist you know you're relationship to be in a relationship now you can be supportive of each other there's nothing wrong supportive and codependent are way two different things okay supportive is great but again you're not supposed to be the therapist when you're dating them and certainly not to be their venting bag.
0: Yeah. You know, cause I, and I'm glad you brought up relationships and this whole difference between supportive and codependent. And cause that's something I know that I struggle with. I'm definitely a person who in the past felt like the, felt the need to rescue everyone. And even to this day, I still recognize that tendency to want to save other people, rescue the world. And now I'm, you know, exploring the space of letting things happen as they happen and letting people learn their own lessons, uh, but also being more curious as to what they need from me. Do they need my help? Do they need to be heard? Do they need to be hugged? Like ask, asking them instead of assuming that I know what's best for them uh, before I, I jump in. Um, Another
1: thing, too. I'm so go
0: no, ahead. No, go ahead, please.
1: So another thing too, and and it's funny, I've never mentioned it, but I've seen celebrities do this, okay? And like, oh, come on. Um, You know, we want so barely to be in a successful relationship, to be loved, okay, that you start dating someone and right away, they're the best, they're the best, this is the best, best relationship. Come on, you date them for a month. It's okay to say, I like what you said before, explore. It's okay to say, I don't know, she seems like a nice person so far, you know? But I think when you we come from our, our backgrounds, you jump right into like, you shift the gear, like, oh, they're the best, is the best. And whatever they do is the best. They play guitar. Oh, she plays the guitar. She's the most amazing musician in the world. And when you do that, you set yourself up for letdown. Because as the months go on, if it's really not meant to be between the two of you, now you went off and convince yourself the best. And you told all your friends, oh my God, she's the greatest person in the world. I mean, and I laugh because sometimes you even see on TV, someone will say they're dating a month on TV. They'll go, oh, my goodness, they'll post the best relationship. You might know, say, oh, come on, honey, you're dating a month. It's okay to say, I think they're nice, but I don't know. It's okay. You know? And, I, and I, like you said, I have the tendency to want to slide into that. And, I, and I, I bring myself back and say, no, 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 <laughs> you know. And they can be a nice, but they don't have to be abusive, but they also not meant to be, you know. And that's okay. And it's not that other people also egg you on. Like I, I know in church, some people would tell me in the past, oh, this girl's got a lot of problems, a lot of this and that. So I think maybe it'd be nice to date her. I said, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> my name's not Jesus. It's Steve, <laughs> okay? Um, you know, like I don't want to be this person's therapist. I need a friend to talk to, by all means. But sounds like this person needs therapy or some kind of uh, 12-step program. But it's funny how people almost want to <laughs> keep you up with people. I want to date someone to save them. I want to date them because, you know, we have a relationship. We give and take and, you know, and so on. Uh, but again, like you said, that, that, um, but that making something, this jarring thing out of it at the very beginning. It's Okay, dial it back. It's okay to say to your friends, I don't know. Let's see. Ask me in a couple months.
0: Yeah, we we love to feel like we know all the things. I mean, there's some ego building involved in, you know, I have the answers, and also in if I rescue somebody and then they thrive, now I get to attach my identity and my ego to their success. Um, coming from a back a background of of abuse and, and neglect, was was there any challenges with learning how to trust yourself and trust others in relationships or In work or you know, struggling with making decisions?
1: Um, again, down the beginning, you want to you want to please your boss as much as possible. And that's still not a bad thing. You work for someone, you want to produce for them, but not to make it where, again, someone's better than you, because you open the door to be used or abused, you know, and my very early jobs, I remember among the details now. But, I mean, sometimes, you know, I was talked down to and stuff because they can, you know, you, you, you almost position yourself in that role. You know, uh, and that's the problem. You almost position yourself in that role as the court jester, so to speak, you know, and now they can dump on you as an employee because, you know, because now you're doing that role. And um, and, and so that I had to, like curves and no, 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 no. And I see other people do it. And as I got that, I try to tell the workers in the past, why are you didn't talk to her like that? You know, there's no need for that. that. That's not being a boss, you know. Uh, so, uh, like you said, again, that became that. I think what once you get the awareness, you can um, you can spot it a mile away, you know. And you can almost spot an abuser a mile away. You can spot a victim abuse. Again, you watch TV. I see interviews. I see such young adults, and they mention problems they have and relationships and certain things they say. And I love to say, so, which one of your parents is an alcoholic? And they're going to say, oh, my mom, my dad, how'd you know that? Well, I, I don't have the SP. I promise you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not Penn Teller. This is not a magic trick. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's just so obvious by just the things you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And we, I, and again, in reverse role, abusers, they sniff that out. <laughs> you know, they're going to hunt you down. And, and you know, you hunt, hunt people in a party. And why are these two people being a magnet? What happened? You know?
0: Uh, so... You shared earlier about setting boundaries in a relationship. Uh, you, you didn't use boundaries specifically, but the idea that this person can't talk to me like that, that's unacceptable behavior. What does it sound like when you set that boundary? Because I can imagine someone listening in and saying, there's so many people in my life who talk to me in a way that's unacceptable. And you know, they're either too passive with their response or too aggressive. How have you found an assertive way of addressing those moments when people are <clears throat> talking to you in an unacceptable way?
1: Yeah, uh, so a couple of things. One is, like you said, we're over aggressive either. Okay. Uh, one line I like to say is, you know, when you say that, that's not cool. When you say it, so people when you say that's not cool, they kind of get thrown off a little bit. Okay. Um, okay, you don't like that, but don't call me stupid. Don't come since it's different. You don't like what I said or did Then tell me you don't like what I said or did Or, or let's say I'm doing something and I ah, you screw this thing up. You're, you're stupid. You know what then? How about you do that from now on Because No one I'm not stupid. I like to clarify. Well, first I'm not stupid or well, first I'm not an idiot let's, let's, let's clear the air on that one. Okay, if what I did was well, maybe we all make mistakes. I guess that's one of my mistakes but it's, and, and again, I like to say, but it's not cool when you say it like that to me. If you're frustrated, tell me your frustration. But don't knock me as a person, okay? Talk about what went on, you know? And I don't, look, and there's, te- there's also healthy teasing. You know, someone says to me, you know, hey, silly boy, do you ever think of doing this? I go, I'll laugh and say, okay, yeah, I, you're right. You know, well, I can think of an instance, you know, we, I, and I, I laugh at myself all the time. I don't mind that. I have close friends. <clears throat> That's all we do. That's okay. You know, I remember I was trying to, I had a different office and I thought this one door was locked. So I climbed through the stupid window to get in the office and I'm falling over the boxes and stuff. And my friend laughed and said, you know, that other door was unlocked, right, Steve? <laughs> you know, I can laugh at that because they didn't say you're a moron or you're stupid. Did not you see the door you blocked? That's wrong. Just say, and we laughed about it. That was, you know, that was, you know, and the inside joke was, oh, Steve doesn't need keys. He's going to climb through the window, man. It's okay. He, he's got that. <laughs> you know, That's fun. You know, I don't mind that. I'm not laughing at myself. You know, sometimes we all get a little cranky, <laughs> and I'll complain about something, i realize, why am I grandstanding over this? Who cares? You know, there was a band I wanted to see once, and it was on the, uh, Disney, and <clears throat> we got there, and, let, and I, was, I, was, I was angry and cursing. We should have sat there. Then I realized it's not even my favorite band, and probably the only original person that's banned at this point is the, is the roadie. Okay, it's not, yeah. and I laughed at it, and that became the inside joke. Oh, don't no, got, Steve's gotta see that band, you know? That's all healthy stuff. However, again, if you gotta laugh at yourself, but if you're making fun of yourself, or someone's making fun of, you, if it's sarcasm. Teasing and sarcasm are two different things. They'll ever figure? You know the definition of sarcasm? It's cutting flesh with your tongue. Now, man, I heard that. I was like, whoa, you know? So again, there's no need for sarcasm, you know, at all. So I think that's the
0: I hope I answered that. that's like a balancing act I try to do. No, because what I what I got, I mean, <laughs> I said no, but yes, what I got from what you shared is it's about attacking the behavior or not even attacking, addressing the behavior or the outcome, not the person or the character, right? Uh and that's the that's the first part. And then the second part is to recognize when someone's teasing you versus being sarcastic. I mean, one hurts and one we laugh at and 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 I think our response or reaction to it you know will let us know how we you know perceived it because sometimes somebody can be teasing us but it feels like sarcasm because it hits a sore spot and to say you know at least for myself I say hey can you clarify that like what did you mean by you know whatever words seemed to bother me because sometimes it doesn't have to be a curse word it could be some innocuous word but it's it for you it has some emotional uh weight to it
1: i love that one of the things i've also learned in life let's say we're all hanging out there at work or school whatever it is and you come in you got the tease of the day you say to me and i laugh i push you and laugh you know and someone else sits down and you say to him or her and she slaps you let you all joking around and then the one person happens to come in same joke and he or she gets upset curses you maybe cries walk and you're anxious can't you ever take a joke he laughed she laughed he laughed, but you can't do that. Slow down. It may not be the joke. That person, although you may not realize it, might be at least verbally abused in their household. Their parent, their husband, their wife's doing it to them. And I say they'll roar by the time they come to school or work. So maybe what you said, what everyone else laughed at, but it's just another knock. That person, you know what that person hears? I guess all these things are wrong. Even they say about me. So I guess I am all these things. See, they're, they're hearing not what you're saying. Okay, something different. So I always say, don't get angry at that person who quote, can't take a joke. Back off, apologize. Just I, I did not mean to offend you. Apologize, but not just put with the apology a compliment because you know I really like you as a friend. I think you're a good person. Okay, don't just say I'm sorry it offended you. Sorry, offend you by itself is okay. When you add to it because you're a really nice person, I would never want to hurt you. I value our friendship. See that little extra piece there? Because they're not hearing that at home. I can tell you right now. OK, and then you can even say if you want a different time alone. Hey, listen, if you want to talk to me, man, I'm here for you. I ain't going on in your household. Man, they might tell you nothing. They might say, why are you saying that? OK, I'm just saying and leave it be. But always try to maybe compliment the person. Not a superficial compliment. Don't make something up out of the air, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I like your tissues, you got. No, that Don't say that. But, yeah, you look good in that shirt today. You know, you might find out later on that person might tell you you were the only one who gave me compliments. They might look forward to seeing. And maybe eventually they might even open up to you okay but i always say a, a little bit pivoting what you said before you know maybe they that, that little piece thing means something to them where everyone else laughed at but to them that really hurt so i just just don't react to it itself so and label that person you know
0: and I, I, I thank you for clearing that up and i, and I really love how you talked about the, the an effective apology you know to say hey, I'm sorry, or I apologize, I really value our friendship and I love you as a person and, and being specific. And, and that's beautiful because we're always talking about, you know, how to, how to apologize, how to say thank you in a way that, that really connects and resonates um, because part of, you know, struggling with abuse and neglect and, 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 and anybody who's been through that, it can create this all or nothing black and white thinking. Like, you're either with me or you're against me. You're We're either demonizing or idolizing people. Can you, I see you nodding your head. Can you speak to that and why that's dangerous?
1: It really is. Again, you know, we all have complicated lives, man. And I don't think anyone is that simple. I don't think so anyway, okay? I mean, my friends, my volunteer work, there's some... And you can label people probably if you wanted to, okay? But when you get... You knew their background or what they're going through you, you take that label right off of them and i think you're right we're very fast today you're in that category you're in that category you're this you're that. what's your opinion on this because if you give me a opinion, i can label you really one issue whatever my opinion is whether it's politics whether it's religion whatever it is that's how fast you're going to label me because one opinion of all these things or she's all those things um and i think that's a dangerous thing and again People got a lot of stuff to deal with. And they're coming from abuse, it's even more stuff. And, and, and they're dealing with that stuff. And you might think someone is insensitive to something. Then then they incentive, maybe they don't have, they have so much anxiety, they can't deal with what you're coming at them with. So it looks like they're just giving a fast answer. Oh, I guess that's not important. I guess you, oh, oh you must be one of those guys that say this. Or maybe the person is like, I'm trying to. Not think of suicide, man. I'm, I, you know, was going on in the household right now, and you're, you're coming out with this topic, I don't get time for that, you know. Um, but they don't say that, of course. <clears throat> so, I think that's, um, like you said, something. And I've known a lot of young people over the years, and I gotta tell you something, I knew, I knew in this school what their reputation was. I knew, you know, what I'm saying, I run into they'd be out mean, but they see one of their teachers, and they'd say something like, I'm in shock, you're sitting there laughing, smiling. I know, you could do that, you know, and like, I get. I hear the teachers in shock, but think what you just said to that young person. You know, maybe we that. Oh, maybe it's something going on that like kid's life because she's with this group here. You know, I, mean, I mean, put it together. Is their youth group or something? Maybe, maybe, why are they in this group? Maybe something's going down, you know? And I found some of the people who might be the toughest exterior, and maybe they are tough. Like you, you say something, you're going to pay for it now. But those were the very individuals I know would give that last piece of food to someone else Okay, I knew siblings that didn't eat some nights so that other siblings can eat. You didn't know that about them. Okay. You know the oh, I can't stand her. I should beat this one up. You know what I'm saying? Like you know what's going on. So again, labeled even in church, that people oh they come here dressed like that. Excuse me. We're your kids, we're your grandkids. That teenager came in here for whatever reason felt they wanted to go to church. All their well-dressed friends aren't in church, are they? Okay. I look. I had money, I did what I could do. I know many of them, this is what I can afford, man. Okay, what can I tell you? You know, Or even if they just choose to dress a certain way. And I certain a lot of people, and they say, okay, Steve, I, I hear you. I never looked at it that way. I said, how about welcome that person? Maybe there's a reason why they walked in a church thing. Maybe because they're that desperate, okay? Uh, welcome them. Don't look at their clothes. Get out of here, you know? Um, so again, uh, like you said, labels are all over the place. They're just all over the place. And people don't understand something, too. You know, I laugh because some people get labeled even thinking, I'm not gonna get into politics, but they get labeled politically. But do you understand this? When people are going through anxiety and they see politics, that makes more anxiety. They don't want to talk about it, they don't want to get away from it. They you know, so you're taking it as you think you know their opinion. The reality is they're ending the conversation because they have too much anxiety to deal with that now. And people never so I love what you say too, like step back, you know, for labeling. I I think it's not just people's race color religion yeah that that labels too but sometimes people's persona want to get labeled and you throw them right into a category you don't know where this person's coming from you know
0: i have a friend who uh had uh, who experienced sexual assault as a child and recently recognized that her rewatching crime shows like law and order svu um and you know a lot of horror movies was, you know, uh, causing so much damage to her nervous system, the, putting her in that fight flight or freeze, and um, you know preventing her from sleeping deeply at night. Are there things that you watch, listen to, read that you stay away from, and then there are things that you gravitate towards in, in, in that medium?
1: It's funny you said that, uh, like SUV, Law Order, Great show. I love captain benson <laughs> so you know but uh, you're right um i have some friends that will not and i learned you know, don't even address it with them. don't even talk about the show with them And i get that because you can be in therapy all your life but you gotta watch the triggers you know so who wants to watch something you went through it you know um for me i wasn't sexually abused but when they have a show where the dad's verbally going on or physically you could like one kid they had a bruise and the, the night if, the next day if they interviewed him I find myself getting real angry at that pair. He's an actor, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and if you, and, and sometimes I gotta switch it because I start visual punching this guy out. And I said, Steve, 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 it's an episode. That's an. That I'm be the nicest guy in the world. Change the channel, you know. And even we just Codependence, You know, uh, there was a show where the, the, the mom was. Oh no, no, he just works late at night, and that's you know, and, and the detectives, you know, with, for the milk and, I, and I'm getting like ah. <laughs> and shake this woman you know it's like you're your kids get abused you know i'm like okay did i just yell that out <laughs> this is fiction man so i'll switch over to shark tank or something just to give myself a little relief or watch an old star trek episode you know um but yeah so for me it's that part of it you know i uh, get into it and uh so um those shows and it's funny and order too because i don't want to why so you know beginning of those type of shows crime shows that's when the crime takes place. I don't want to watch the beginning. I'll chew it in like 20 minutes into it, 30 minutes into it. So we're past that. So now we're into like the investigating, the courtroom, and it's funny because you know I, I realize my friends you don't like the at nah, the beginning. Let's am someone's house and they're just watching it. I got no choice. If I'm seeing the thing begins, I will switch it off, come back later because I don't want to see the scene of abuse. You know, because I gotta say something to this is for me personally. I I found that I know people with physical abuse like me, verbal abuse and sexual abuse, but all of us have different abuses, okay, Uh, but we all kind of get what it's like to be abused by someone, and we all don't want to get into seeing, you know, that scene one way or the other, you know, someone with sexual abuse, they don't want to see, even if it's not sexual, they don't want to see any type of abuse, and same with here, I don't want to see that, so to answer your question, I kind of like uh, monitor myself allow myself some things and by the way one of the most mature things you can do in this world is know your limitations and say okay steve don't watch that at the beginning if that's going to really put you in that kind of way you know um so again i think that you know especially the guy you know strong deal with are not being strong know your limitations okay and, and and that's another thing too by the way i don't not think i'm always thinking of someone Someone of the day don't like to the drive them parkway. Someone's getting down on them. I said, get off her. Okay. This person can do things you can't do. And I name some of them, you know. All right. I got your point. Everyone's so telling people you need to be doing this. Maybe I don't need to be doing that. <laughs> why. Maybe that person's okay. You know, we're always trying to get people over things, you know. And maybe it's okay for that person to say, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Is that okay with you? Can we hang out and not have to get into this? And uh, so I've learned that as well.
0: Yeah, I like that. I don't feel comfortable doing this. That, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And, and that's such a vulnerable, excuse me, a vulnerable thing to admit. Got something in my throat. Um, to wrap up, I know that you've written four youth adult novels or books. Uh, can you talk to us uh, briefly about that with the few minutes we have left?
1: So what I've done is this. So, I have four young adult novels. Okay. They're action packed. They, they read like an exciting movie you want to see because I like to be entertained. That's the way I write. Uh, but the characters, like, are all realistic. It, you'll relate. That's like me. That's my brother. That's my girlfriend. That's my friend. But inside them is another book. It's called the Teenage and Young Adult Survival Handbook. That's the nonfiction part. Every, everything discussed tonight abuse, suicide, but my personal, not preaching, it's my personal experience. It gives hope. How I got help. How you can get help. There's uh, options for them, like a 800 numbers, website to go on. But the fact that the teenage and young adult survival handbook is an insert in my fiction novels takes away the stigma of a young person asking for it, because no one's going to ask for the handbook by itself. But why would you need that? But the fiction, I like to read fiction. In reverse, you want to hand that to a child. You just hand the handbook. What do I, I got smacking? I don't need that. I would have done the same thing. Hand the fiction novel. I know you like these kind of cool stories, science fiction stuff. You just pray that when they open it, they'll say, what's this? And they read that part. It's a very non-aggressive, non-confrontational way to get life-saving information and hope to a young person without embarrassing them.
0: That's powerful. I, I love that. I mean, that's really thoughtful on your behalf. And that's something I had never really thought about before. I mean, I have thought about the part of, you know, nobody wants to be seen walking around with this book because of this title. Right. I mean, I mean, even romance novels, like I remember I want to read 50 shades of gray because everybody was reading. But I was like, I don't want somebody to see me with that. But, um, but so yeah, that's a, that's a very smart way of getting that to children. Um, last question. Cause I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them? Steve Simpson?
1: First off, I used to always say, I don't want to talk to a social worker because I know what they're going to say anyway. I was wrong, okay? So, please, if you're in school, it's one extra day. Go to that school social worker. They're going to bring things up you didn't think. Churches. Churches have 12-step programs, self-help groups, outreach programs. Maybe a church you belong to. Don't make a difference. Or that church, I have another one. we ask the pastor, where can I go? You know, of course, you have 988 is the suicide crisis line, 988. And also the Runaway line is 1-800-RUNAWAY. And I get both those numbers out, depends where you're at. But I got to tell you, um, it's amazed me, myself and other lives, how fast things got better once I took that first step. So I'm going to tell you, I know it has been, you think it's never going to get better, there's a cloud over you. And, and here's my line, is to say, I can't see how it's going to get better. Well, I couldn't see, but there are many ways to get better. You know, and, and, and believe me, God loves us all. He's there for you. So take that one. Before you do that, problem, I'm tearing it right out, problems, anyone I spoke to, like myself, and I spoke to hundreds, probably thousands over the years, who had tried suicide, thank God lived, or thought about suicide, never tried it. We have one thing in common. 100% were glad we didn't do it or glad we didn't die. 100%. Why? Things always got better. It's always when it's at its worst, that's when it's about to turn. So I plead to you, school, <clears throat> school counselor, social worker, adult, going to church, what's going on, 988. So there's a lot of crisis centers they can lead you to. But I'm telling you, I've never met someone who got help, who either tried to it was like me and lived or thought of it. They didn't say, I am so glad, thank you, God, that I live. Never. They've all said that.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Steve. And thank you so much, listeners. Uh, make sure you pick up the Teenage and Young Adult Survival, survival Handbook. It's sold wherever books are sold. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the, the new 988 number. Or if you're, you know, anywhere throughout the world, we have international suicide hotline phone numbers for you. You can talk, you can chat, you can text. You can always go to ThriveWithLeo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Steve.
1: Thank you, man.